0: Yeah, so sort of just like hoping and praying that, man, my name would get called sometime during the hey day. Buddy, this is John Lynch from the 49ers. Uh, we find you very relevant, but you are going to be Mr. Irrelevant. The 262nd pick. I'm part of that fraternity, you know, of being the last draft Francisco pick. Francisco 49ers. select. It's something that, you know, I wear with honor. Are
1: oh, you're part of a different fraternity now, my friend.
0: 49ers are going to the Super Bowl! You just led one of the biggest comebacks in the NFC Championship game history. What was the key to the amazing comeback? Man, first of all, glory to God. Um, he, he's given us this opportunity, man, and, and for us, it's a team sport. You know, we knew we had a half left, defense did their job, boys on offense, took care of business, coach called the great game, and, and we had the faithful behind us the whole way, so we love you guys.
1: Yo, what is up, guys? Oh, that doesn't get you hyped up, man. That little intro doesn't get you hyped up. I don't know. I don't know. This this episode's definitely for the fellas just a little bit. Hey, if you're a lady up in here with us, though, hey, welcome. Welcome. But, hey, we're ripping, we're ripping the Glory Bee podcast right now. Um, we're going to be talking about Brock Purdy a lot. We're going to be answering the question, man, is he actually a Christian? We're going to be analyzing his faith a little bit. Very um, A non-biblical activity, some would say uh, unloving. I don't know. I think it's kind of fun. But then uh, number two, we're going to be talking about one rule that we can actually pull, one rule of life that we can pull from his life, from his career, something that we can take with us, an application piece that I think is uh, life-changing for me personally. And then number three, we're going to wrap up with a text, a story about a text that I sent Brock Purdy on draft night, whenever he got draft 262 Mr. Irrelevant. And uh, I think it might have been a prophetic message. I'm not even kidding. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. All right, let's get into it. Hey, if you guys haven't subscribed yet, man, you gotta subscribe. We've almost tripled our subscriber numbers over the past two or three weeks. Content is going absolutely nuts. And uh, every week we put out a sermon of the week and a podcast. Why? Because we want to just remind Christians that, hey, they can be a part of culture. Like, they can know what's going on. They can enjoy, you know, entertainment and media, but they can still be set apart in character. They don't have to assimilate to how culture acts. That's the whole point of the Glory Be Podcast. So make sure you subscribe, new podcast, and new sermon every single week. Also, hey, next week we're dropping a newsletter, a newsletter called The Impartment. And The Impartment, man, it comes from Romans 1 where Paul is just like, yo, I want to see you guys so I can impart a spiritual gift to you to encourage both of our faith. And so that's what I just want to do. I'm just trying to, I just want to write and just anybody who, who wants to read it, um, so hopefully the next generation or people who, who are dedicated to raising up the next generation, it can just be a spiritual gift to them to raise up both of our faiths. And so I'm just gonna uh, write this newsletter. It's once a week, it's always free. You can unsubscribe at any time and you're gonna be able to read it in under one minute. Just gonna be a weekly insight, like like a unique insight, um, kind of a, a golden nugget that I'm uh, dwelling on throughout the week, kind of chewing on throughout the week. I'm gonna bring it to life with an illustration, a statistic, a quote, a story. And then I'm gonna simplify it and make it really specific and turn it into a really practical um, tip or trick for us to go out into the week also we are have a referral program for anybody that jumps on the newsletter and you're gonna be able to earn a limited edition glory Bee podcast hat only available through the apartment reward and uh, referral system so without further ado i'm gonna get a drink and uh, let's get into this episode important piece of information me and Brock went to Iowa State together we were athletes um, same year coming in so we had orientations together he dated one of my best friends in college we spoke at an FCA event together fellowship of Christian athletes uh, we went to the same college ministry we were acquaintances I wouldn't call his friends okay we have each other's phone number um, he would recognize me in public I would obviously recognize him in public um, uh, but yeah, I'm not, not, not saying we're friends. And the reason I say that is because, um, I feel like more so than the average person I can talk about his faith. Not a lot. Like I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, I remember this, this and this, but, but I've heard, like, I, I have a little bit of credibility on like what I've heard, and what I've observed about his faith. And so I'm going to kind of talk about that a little bit and get into it. So without further ado, is Brock Purdy a Christian? Is he actually like, he talks the talk, right? Like, man, he's always up there, like glory to God, glory to God. But is he actually a Christian? Okay, well first let's break down how people view God into four categories. Okay, let's start with that. So category number one, they can view God or Jesus as a genie, right? Like, man, like I pray that he would help me win this football game or pray for this. You know, when things are going bad, I pray. But that's about it. I got Philippians four thirteen in the bio, Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. But that's it, man. I don't I don't really believe that I'm a sinner. I don't really often think about the fact that he died for me it's been i'm on a mission and i want to use god to achieve my goals i'm just going to say this flat out if that's you or if that's someone you know i just don't think that they're going to be in heaven with us like they're missing almost every core piece of the gospel and um yeah i mean i don't i don't say that in, in like a judgmental way but i just say that as as like hey it's just it's just reality and what would suck is if someone thinks that that's enough Okay, they're like, hey, uh, you know, whatever, I, I pray to God to to help me get things. And then they end up in hell, and they're like, well, what the heck? Why didn't anybody tell me? So that's one way. Uh, category or view number two, Jesus the Savior. So more than a genie, you believe that that maybe you are a sinner and, and like, you need saved, but that's where it stops. Okay, you kind of just see God as, like, this ticket into heaven. Like, he's gonna he's going to, I'm going to do whatever I want on this earth, but as long as I can get to heaven, I'm fine. Okay, that's a lot of people, man. That's a lot of people, especially in the Midwest. Okay, a lot of these areas, that we call them nominal Christians. Like they, they might go to church. They say that they're Christian. They believe in Jesus as Savior. They're going to say, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, first and foremost. But man, have they actually been impacted by Him? Has the Holy Spirit entered them? Do they follow His commands? Do they repent of sin? I don't know. I don't know. Man, Matthew, I think somewhere in Matthew it says that many will come knocking on the door of heaven and the Lord will say, nope, I never knew you. I never knew you. You thought that you knew me, but I never knew you. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. The third view of God is Jesus is king, Jesus the Lord, Jesus the king, synonyms here. And what this means, like, man, if, if a king or a Lord is reigning over you, right, like they're giving you rules and they're giving you leadership, and you believe that they're a good leader, you start to follow them. Okay, whenever they tell you to do one thing or they tell you to stop doing another thing, you start to follow them, right? Like that's what it means to see Jesus as your Lord. So now not only do you see him as your savior because you're a sinner, right? Who needed someone to die for them. So you love him for that, but you see, hey, he has commands for me. Like he has a certain way of living for me because he wants me to be set apart, to be a different type of person for him. I mean, I want to follow that. Like he I I I trust him in this. Okay, and somewhere between the, those two things. Those two views, Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. Somewhere in that journey is where I believe someone is saved. Someone is actually going to heaven. They realize, man, I'm a sinner, I'm saved, but it's actually more about than just getting into heaven. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. And whenever he gives me these commands, they're not rules that I just want to kind of rebel against. Like, yes, we're sinners, we're going to rebel against them but but man like what if they actually are like a great way of living and I want to honor him in that and I want to repent of sin. And I just want to be very clear here, hey, you are saved by faith alone. Okay, your obedience does not save you. You're saved by faith alone, but if your faith does not produce obedience on the other side, I wonder if it was faith in the first place. All right, let's move on to the fourth view of God and this one is this one kind of transcends kind of Christian culture, kind of the church games. Okay, it's more than just like I love Jesus and I try not to sin and I go to church. No, it's more than that. It impacts just like every single way that you think, every action you take, like the way you view life. Okay, it's a whole mindset. Mindset? It's a whole mindset shift. Okay? It's whenever you see Jesus as your good shepherd, your good shepherd and i'm going to go to i'm going to go to, to psalm 23 where we see this i'm just going to kind of go from top to bottom and i'm going to kind of contextualize each verse versus how um, someone might view jesus as their shepherd so let's let's look real quick i'm going to go quick it says this the lord is my shepherd i shall not want someone who views jesus as their good shepherd they have they don't need anything they don't need money they don't need a promotion they don't need to win a super bowl they have what they need they shall not want then it says, he leads me beside still waters. Man, they trust his leadership. Someone who views Jesus as their good shepherd, they, they trust his leadership no matter where he's taking them. They know that he is leading them beside still water. Then it says this, man, he leads me for his name's sake. And I'm paraphrasing here. I'm kind of skipping around, but, but I'm, not, I'm not taking it out of context. For his name's sake, everything they do is meant to glorify God. Everything they do, they want to glorify God. It's why they're alive. They want to glorify Him, glorify Him, glorify Him. Then it says, even whenever I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. You are with me. When when tragedy comes or world crisis comes, they they have a maturity about them to say, hey, that was sin. That's a result of sin. Okay, that wasn't God's doing, but He is with me right now. He's with me in the fire. Okay, there's great peace in that says your rod and your staff they come for me and what, what this means is this rod and staff, it's his leadership and discipline. Like if you view Jesus as your good shepherd, what would happen is, is is back in the day sheep would sheep would wander away from the flock and a shepherd would come up and his rod or his staff he would use them to break the sheep's legs so they wouldn't wander into the presence of the wolves. right And so lovingly he would say, hey, you just keep wandering, you just keep wandering. I don't have to break your legs to make sure you stay close to the flock. Okay, someone who sees Jesus as their good shepherd embraces that discipline because they know that it's, it's from a, coming from a loving place. Okay, your rod and your staff, they come for me. Then it says this, you prepare a table for me before me in the presence of my enemies. Whatever your enemies are, man, I, we don't need to get weird about it, but like, like when things just aren't going well, when it feels like people are attacking you, do you believe that there's a table for you, a feast for you, flourishing in abundance for you, given to you by the Lord? It says, my cup overflows. Man, you're so joyful. It just spews out of you. People can tell. Then it says this, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, people who see Jesus as their good shepherd just want to spend time with him. They want to spend time in prayer. They want to spend time in his word. They want to dwell in his house forever. So before we talk about, man, which one is Brock? How does Brock view God? I just want to ask you, like, man, how do you view God? Like where are you at in your faith, man? Do you see him as a genie? Maybe you don't even believe in him at all. That's fine. Like this is a safe space. Like I was there for a, a very long time, most of my life, actually. Um, feel free to just message me on Instagram. Um, but man, if you if you just see him as a genie, or if you just see him as a savior, like I just wanna I wanna call you into something greater. Man, there's just something better for you on the other side of that whenever you start following his commands and even more so whenever you start seeing him as your good shepherd. Where you start seeing him as someone who's leading you and protecting you and caring for you and disciplining you out of love. Like that just changes everything about you. Okay? But... Man, how does Brock Purdy view God? Let's look at a couple of videos and we're going to kind of go down the list and just kind of see, man, does he see him as a genie? Does he see him as a savior, a lord, or a good shepherd? So check out this first video. Do you pray when you're playing during a game?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, you know, and it's not, can we, you know, God, can we win here? Can, can we right. do something great here? It's it's more just to have that, that peace, that steadfastness, and all the chaos. That's really what it is. It's sinking back into like, Holy Spirit, you know, take over and and lead me here in this moment, and allow me to think clearly. Allow me to, you know, obviously go through my reads and and like I said, just uh, have a even killed state of mind that that I get from the Holy Spirit. So.
1: All right, he says, "Man, I don't pray to win games, but you know, I pray for for calm during the game." So, so we know that he's not just just praying for for games, right? Try just to win, and that's not a bad thing. Like I mentioned, like it's not it's not inherently wrong to ask God for things, but but we know that Brock is at least above seeing Jesus as a genie. Okay, he's not just hey, I am going to rub this. Hopefully, we can win some football games. He empowered me, Philippians four thirteen. Anything is possible through him. Okay, he's at least beyond that. All right, let's see the next video.
0: Living to, you know, be set apart, you know, it's, it's easy to, yes, repent of your sins and um, be about Jesus. But, you know, to know, Hey, I can't keep doing this. sin. you know, I, I acknowledged it. I got to move on, but um, to be on fire for the Lord and to walk with him, I think right now, man, I'm all about, Hey, I'm living set apart from the world. People can think this about me or whatever. That's fine. The, the bottom line is for me, my identity is in Jesus.
1: Man, this is a sick video. He says he's living to be set apart. Set apart. So yes, that means Savior. He wants to be a part of his family. Set apart with God. Set apart with Jesus. So that that has salvation undertones in it. But then he says he wants to repent of sin. Man, Man, how rare is that? I wonder if you just surveyed how many NFL players are repenting of sin right now. Right, that that's such a, an awesome statement and he acknowledges it, he's talking about it. And you can tell a lot about someone and the girl that they're with. Like I know his girl, like Jenna, she, she's amazing from what I've heard. I know she has godly friends. I don't know their relationship, but but I know that they're engaged and at least know that Brock isn't just gonna waste, you know, years of his NFL experience just, just chasing women, chasing money, chasing titles, you know, all these things. Like he, he's actually repenting of sin. All right, let's check out this last clip though.
0: Yeah, this year for me, it's been Psalm 23. Um, Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Then it goes on. But um, for me, you know, playing this game, playing this sport, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, you can, it's easy to get wrapped up in, you know, wanting and feeling like wanting to be loved, you know, obviously by your teammates and everybody, but like the world. And so, um, for me, like in that, in that passage, it's talking about, you know, I already have what I need from, from the good shepherd in Jesus. So, um, I don't know. I just been studying Psalm 23, uh, throughout the whole, whole season and been going back to it. It's what I start off with actually every single day. I just read off Psalm 23 to myself before I start, start off with some solitude. And, and then. I... Man, he says the
1: Lord is my shepherd. He's been studying Psalm 23 all season like just think about what that means for him specifically like think about that, what that means for him he says so so if you if we go through that list like man i, I don't have to, i don't have to need anything i don't have to want anything like what he's saying is like i don't need i don't want the approval of the 49ers fans the foundation the faithful you know i don't i don't need the approval or i don't want the approval from my teammates maybe i want it but but i don't need it right because you satisfy my soul right then it says like hey in the valley of the shadow of death like lord you were with me like last year when I, when I when I tore, blew out my elbow the game before the Super Bowl, like I remember you being with me. Okay, you were with me in that moment. You were with me. Whenever it says, man, I want to dwell in your house all of my days, like I actually want to spend time with you. That's why he wakes up and spends time in Psalm 23. Like Brock doesn't just see God as a genie or a savior or a lord, but he sees him as the good shepherd. He sees him as all of these things, all of these beautiful things. And so if you're questioning still if he's a Christian, just like, What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, are you just like some like critical like old old person that just hates everything? Like, like we should be thankful. We should be so grateful that someone like him is having this platform. We should be praying for him. We should be supporting him. Like Brock is without a doubt a faithful dude. He loves Jesus. All right. Let's just be thankful for that. Okay. Let's just pray for him. And so, case closed. What I've heard um, about him. Um, not just that he talks the talk, but he actually walks the walk. And so, man, is Brock pretty a Christian? Absolutely. It's not even close. Let's be grateful for him. Continue to uh, pray for him in the spotlight and encourage him. Okay, I want to move on and talk about one rule of life that we can actually pull from high-level athletes of all kinds, but also from Brock's life. He talks about it a ton, um, but I actually... I want to connect some dots beforehand. I was watching this podcast, Raw Talk, I think, by Bradley Martin, and he had Max Crosby on. Max is defensive end for the Oakland Raiders, almost one defensive player of the year this year. Great defensive end. He's talking about this book called Relentless. He called it his life story, right? But it's, it's, it's a book by, by Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and Dwayne Wade's trainer. And he says, man, I, I, he, said, he basically writes this book saying, I observed what takes someone from good to great to unstoppable. He says there's 13 rules of the relentless, and they're all on equal playing field. And and the people who are unstoppable have at least most of these. Okay, but I want us to pull out one. There's one specifically that I think applies to the Christian faith. I would suggest reading this book. If you read it, though, you got to be really careful because it's not all for Christians. Like there's some stuff that you would ruin your marriage and it just wouldn't be good. Um, Not for us. Not for us personally. You know, if you want to be Kobe Bryant, maybe go for it. But if you want to be a faithful Christian, maybe take a step back. But one rule, one rule I want to talk about, it's this rule. Know exactly who you are. Know exactly who you are. I want to read a segment from Relentless to you, and it's about this uh, topic, know exactly who you are. I'm going to kind of change some of the words to make them uh, Christian because, I mean, he kind of goes off. So this is what it says. On your journey to greatness, very many people will try to derail you. They will try to distract you. They will try to bring you down. They will try to tell you that you're insane, worthless, a failure, a buzzkill. Don't listen to an effing word that they say. They've been dead inside for years and don't understand the fire that dwells within you and the identity you have in the Lord. When you're a man or woman on an effing mission, and you've made a decision that this life with Jesus is how you want things to be, you need to recognize that part of yourself. You need to know who you are in Christ, or other people will try to sway you from your path. And for us believers, man, how do we know who we are? The Word of God. God tells us who we are, not what I think about myself, not what my boss says about me, not what my best friends say about me, not what my parents say about me, not what my friends say about me, not what my performance says about me, nothing. It's, it's solely what the Lord has said about me. He says that I am adopted. He says that I am a child. He says that he loves me, that he died for me, that I was chosen, man, that he knitted me together in my mother's womb, that he, he predestined me, that he loves me, like all of those things. Like that's what's true. So I call this anchoring your identity. It's whenever you're, you're about to move into an area where, where, where um, the storm is going to be blowing, right? Whether it's uh, a meeting, man, people are going to be looking at you, eyes on you. You have to do a presentation and, and big names are in the room and you're, you're, you're fearing their judgment, right? Or, or maybe maybe you're an athlete and you're about to compete in the big game, okay? And people, people are looking at you and you're fearing their judgment. Well, what are they going to think about me if I do this or if I do this, right? Whatever the context is. Maybe you're a teacher, right? You get in front of the room and you're having this con- this honest conversation with this student. You're like, "How are they going to handle it? Like, are they going to think that it's stupid? Are they going Are they going to listen to me? Like, anchoring your identity in those moments means, hey, I don't know, I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but it doesn't matter because my identity is solid. My identity is anchored. Okay, it's like it's like an anchor, and, and we're the boat. And as the storm goes, we don't go like this, right? Just with the waves, I man. The anchor just kind of keeps us right here keeps us right here. We never have to go far because what God has said about us never changes. So let the opinions of others come, but know exactly who you are. Know exactly who you are. And man, this, this plays out for Brock because whenever he steps on the field for the Super Bowl, he's going to be tempted to be like, the whole world is watching. I wonder what they're going to think about me. Man, the, the franchise, right? All of my teammates they're banking on me. They need me to do well. I hope I don't disappoint them. Man, think about the money that might be made if I win this win this game, right? Hopefully my family, you know, maybe he's not thinking about family, but hopefully they, they're they proud of me still, right? And if he anchors his identity whenever he gets on the field, says, no, 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 let's take all that. Let's just get it out of here. I'm loved by the Lord. He has chosen me. He is with me right now. He is leading me. There's nothing I can do in this game to impress him. There's nothing I can do in this game to disappoint him. He died for me. Man, when he sees me, he sees Jesus forever and ever for eternity. Man, I bet Brock will play way better if he can anchor his identity. And he talks about that a lot. He talks about that a lot in his interviews. If you just go through and look, he's going to be talking about that identity a lot. But what happens is if you don't have to play, perform, work, Whatever it is to, for the approval of others because you are secure in Christ, your performance can just go. Man, you don't have performance anxiety. You don't have to worry about taking risks or not taking risks. You can just ball out. Right? So I don't know what Brock might absolutely choke. Who knows? Like it's he's a human being. He's not gonna be perfect at being like, I love God, I only accept what God says about me, I will forget everyone else. No, like we're human beings, we forget. Okay, it's easy for us to get caught up, especially I can only imagine hundreds of millions of people watching me. Probably pretty easy to forget what God says about you in that moment. But hopefully, man, I'm praying for him. Like actually, I'm actually praying for him. Like he's he's on my prayer wall right here to my left. That he would remember who he is in Jesus. All right, let's end with a little story. May first, twenty twenty-two, my boy. Rock Purdy goes number 262, Mr. Irrelevant to the 49ers. And I would love to say that I was inspired by the Holy Spirit to send this text. I would, but I wasn't. I was feeling like, dude, I got an NFL quarterback in my phone. All right. I was like, I'm going to text him and see if he texts me back. That's probably what I was thinking. If I'm being 100% honest, I wasn't thinking to myself, let me pray and prophesy over Brock Purdy. But I'm going to read what I said because I just think it's kind of cool. All right, this is what I said. Congrats, bro. Stay secure in Christ. Is that not what we just talked about? On this journey when insecurities hit and keep letting the Lord write a story that only he could. This was wild to me. I don't know even know why I said this. Like logistically speaking, Brock probably was like his career should have just dried up. Like he would have never started a snap, probably would have got cut within like three years. But this is what I said. I have a feeling that yesterday was the start of one of the coolest underdog stories in NFL history. Go make it happen, brother. I don't want to say I called it, but man, we're in year two. Boy might get a ring. This might be one of the greatest underdog stories in NFL history. He replied and he said, I'm still trying to comprehend exactly what God is doing here, but man, I know he'll take care of me every step of the way. The good shepherd, right? said, I hope you're doing great, brother. Thank you for reaching out with the truth. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make another prophecy right now. Because that last one came true, kind of, sort of. It's, it's in the midst of coming true, even though I'm joking right now. I'm going to make my prophecy in the form of a three-leg parlay. $200, cash out 3000 This is what we're running. Leg number one. We're taking the over on breaking the Super Bowl attendance record. 116 million people are going to watch the Super Bowl. Shout out to Taylor Swift. That's a negative 1,000 odd. Negative 100, sorry. Then, next leg, we're taking 49ers to cover the spread. They're a minus 2.5 favorite. We're going to take them winning by three. Okay, that's a plus 105 prop, if I remember. Maybe. We're just going to say that. And then, we're taking brock purdy to win super bowl mvp he's going to get in front of 116 million people and he's going to share the gospel that's a plus two three five prop and uh we're gonna see what happens so bang bang niner gang baby let's get it see you guys later